Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Tamara Beckford Show. I am excited, as usual, to bring in these wonderful guests because I have the honor and the privilege of bringing in my colleagues who are doing amazing things inside and outside of clinical medicine. Now, I know if you're sitting there watching, you're like, oh, I might not be able to capture all of this. That's okay. We have our lovely guest on our Your Caring Docs website, which is U-R-C-A-R-I-N-G-D-O-C-S.com. Select podcast, download it, and you'll be able to capture all of today's episode. Now, the stars were trying not to get us together, but nothing can hold us apart. Am I right, my lovely guest today? So even though the internet stars and the Wi-Fi stars were keeping us apart, the, magnetic, the magneticism kept us together. And that's why we'll be able to bring you this wonderful episode today. So my guest, we are going to talk about the journey from being an OBGYN to best selling medical thriller author. So my guest today, he's a graduate of the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. So all my Pittsburgh grads, yay, you got one of yours. <laughs> he did his residency in OBGYN at Northwestern University, um, the Feinberg School of Medicine. There he also decided, yeah, being the head in charge and doing OB and being a medical director and the chair was just not enough. So he also went and got a master's in Patients, safety, and healthcare quality, right? Now, this right. wonderful doctor of ours, his role over the years include being the chairperson of the Department of OBGYN. He's been a medical director, assistant professor of OB, an executive director, head of a medical device safety, and associate VP of Allegan. In addition to that, like I said, he is an Amazon best-selling author of the medical thriller Code Crisis, which we're going to get into today. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about the one and only Dr. Joseph Perpera. <laughs> Woo! Thank you. <laughs> welcome, thank welcome, you. welcome. And, and thank thank the gods and goddesses of, of uh iPhones allowing yeah. us to do this <laughs> for allowing us to connect. Yeah, I was a little worried there, but thank you for that that very kind, generous uh, welcome. Happy to be here with you today. Hey, I am excited to have you. Now, you know there are a lot of people who are wondering, like, how will I make this transition? How did you do it? So before they get overwhelmed, we're going to bring them back to the beginning. You okay. know, to when you decided that I want to be a doctor. Tell us that story. That probably started, I inherited that from a family member who became a physician. My, my dad and my mother both uh, immigrated from Italy to mm -hmm. the U.S. And none of them um, were fortunate enough to achieve higher education. Mm -hmm. But my dad was one of 13 uh, kids. Mm. Um, and the youngest, a, a, a male, um, they decided we're going to send him to college. We're going to worked together, sent him to college, and he ended up going to med school. Mm -hmm. And I just grew up with that. Um, he was sort of a second father to me, and uh, I just loved what he was doing, and I loved to see him go through the problem solving. And mm -hmm. I thought, hey, you know, this this sounds like something I could do. So that's where the seed was planted. And yes. then, um, you know, I think I in, in high school, I was just kind of showing up and, you know, just phoning it in, as they say. And I was I, I wasn't even thinking about college. But then all of a sudden, you know, my parents said, hey, you got to get serious. So mm. I got into college and then everything changed 
when I uh, started at University of Pittsburgh, it was like, hey, this is fun. I like this stuff. You know, I can pick and choose what I want instead of sitting there, you know, learning about things that who cares, you know, in mm -hmm. high school. And then that just led to med school. And um, I've, I've heard some of your other guests talk about how their rotations in med school when you do the clinical stuff. Mm -hmm. That's where you kind of figure out what you like. And I, I don't know what it was just when I did my OBGYN rotation at McGee Women's Hospital in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Fabulous hospital, by the way. When I did that, I was like, man, I love this. I love the people here. Mm -hmm. I love the docs. I love the nurses. I love the patients. This looks like fun. And that's what, um, you know, that's, that's what, what set me off. You. Yeah, exactly. And then I one of my that. professors there moved to Northwestern and said, uh, we just built a new hospital, Prentice Women's Hospital. It's great. And, you know, come and interview and all. And that's how I ended up at Northwestern. I love it. I love it. So one of your fellow OBGYN colleagues, the wonderful Dr. Sharita Gaskins Tillett, she said, hi, Docs, a thriller writer. I am so intrigued. Hey, stay tuned, Dr. Gaskin, because you are going to be able to capture all of what Dr. Purpura did to get through to that. And you guys are both in the same field, so you guys yep. think alike. <laughs> Love it, love it. We have another Facebook user that said, mm, I love this concept. That's right. <laughs> That's why I love doing this show. I bring you all the amazing things that we can do inside and outside of clinical medicine. All righty. So there you got introduced to OBGYN. You love the people. You love that. Loved it. Working yeah. with the hospital. It, it really drew you in. And then you got pulled to Northwestern um, by one of your mentors. Yeah. And, and that's so, where I did my residency. I fell mm -hmm. in love with teaching. And, um, you know, that's the one part, not being in medicine now, I really miss the teaching part of it, but mm -hmm. I just love that. And um, to make a very long, boring story short, <laughs> you know, I, I was teaching, I was practicing, and then I had a, a fairly serious shoulder injury, a mm -hmm. badly torn rotator cuff, and then mm. that started affecting, you know, my ability to, to do the physical parts of OBGYN, including even you know, minimally invasive surgery. It was hard mm -hmm. because there's a lot of, yeah, even technical. though it had it repaired. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty bad tear. And I thought, well, I, I better, you know, face reality and slow down a little bit mm -hmm. and do more teaching. And then I ended up doing just uh, gynae only for mm -hmm. a while. And um, over the years, we realized that there really wasn't a formal amount of training in patient safety at, at Northwestern. And in fact, in most med schools, there wasn't mm -hmm. back in, you know, 10 years ago or so. Yes. Um, so I'm old, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that, but <laughs> we're not old. We're as well, old as yeah, we no, consider right. ourselves. <laughs> but, so that, that evolved into a master's program in patient safety and healthcare mm. quality, which was, mm. was really a, a, a fabulous program that designed, you know, it formalized patient safety principles, mm -hmm. usability principles for medical devices, communications, you know, quality systems, team building, all of that great stuff. And I went through that and I loved it. And, and it was not, it was not like, and I, th I know most of us physicians or we physicians, we love school, mm -hmm. but this master's program, it was like watching the discovery channel. It was not mm -hmm. like work, it wasn't hard. You could relate to everything and mm -hmm. it's fun. And it's and applicable, then, right? A, yeah. And then I got a call from an internist friend of mine that worked at a, 
a biotech company in the Chicago area. And he said, hey, you know, uh, I saw you got this degree. We could really use someone like you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's talk. So I talked to him and uh, that ended up being like, hey, how would you like a nine to five job with weekends and holidays off? And, huh? and in, in medicine? What, what no, is that, the thing it, I hear it, of? <laughs> was, that's when I got into industry, when I ended up um, working in medical device safety for a biotech mm. company. And then people there at that company ended up moving out to California. And that's how I ended up in uh, Santa Barbara, California uh, with Allergan Medical. And that, that's, you know, where I am now. We were, we're a part of AbbVie now. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, that, that's, the, that's the journey. And I think um, that makes sense, right? It's Absolutely. sort of convoluted, but... Um, no, 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 no. As we follow along the journey, and, and I think that what's, you have highlighted is some of the skill sets that we have in medicine. And I know that you've you've interacted with um, those of us who have this medical training. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we don't realize how well we can apply that outside. And to even use it in the patient safety realm, to use it in the biotech realm. You know, we have people who are doing these technical things, but wonder how can it apply when we leave the lab and you have the out of lab experience to really help to connect, to improve upon what the theoretician has. You know, you can say, hey, this is how it shows up in yeah. real life. And so, yeah, absolutely. The journey makes a lot of sense. It does. And, and I think, you know, physicians, you go through that training, even if you don't enter as a leader, you come out of med school and residency and clinical training as a leader and a communicator, even though a lot of us don't understand that we're doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some are better than others, you know, and, and that mm-hmm. was a, a big part of, you know, when I was teaching med students, teaching them how to communicate properly and, you know, mm-hmm. videotaping them with a patient interaction and saying, let's sit back and look at this. And what are you seeing here? And, you know, look at the body language and look right. at how the patient's uh, responding to you and what you're saying. And, and then you learn that. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't get that sophisticated and do the videotaping and feedback, you learn trial and error. Absolutely. Um, so, and, and you're, you're fit for so many other fields. And, and even that's, that has, that has uh, managed to change the track that people think of when they go to med school at, at Northwestern. Um, there are so many combined programs like Medicaid, med, medicine and law, medicine and bioengineering, mm-hmm. medicine and public health. Um, so it's, you know, you don't have to do that in one sitting, like start to finish. You can come back and get any of those advanced degrees um, and take you where your heart is pointing. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we, we have a lot of we have the ability to to change our lives and and hopefully change other lives as well. That's so interesting, because if you really think about the day to day life um, when you're practicing medicine, as mm-hmm. you say, um you do enter in and leave out as a leader with a lot of soft skills that you are not keeping in mind because we're so used to thinking of just our hard skills, which is, can I do the operation? Can I? But there's so many soft skills, as you mentioned, interacting with the patient. Once you enter the room, you have learned how to 
feel, get a sense of, am I stepping into a room with someone with resistance or am I stepping into a room with someone who's open to whatever I'm presenting? If they have resistance, you have these soft skills where you can help them to break down that barrier because you can determine if the resistance is due to anger or is it due to um, being afraid. And you, you work all of these and then when you leave, you leave um, informing the patient, empowering them, but that, and also the fact that you don't have a lot of time to do it. Exactly. So you're using a lot of these soft skills that you've that you've honed in because you're doing it over and over and over again in one day. You hit on something really important there. You learn how to listen to people. Mm -hmm. I think that's the key, and and that that leads to success in anything that you're doing. Uh, um, yes. But m much more so in medicine than others. Um, you, you learn, you know, that that's a big skill that you come away with. Um, and even with the time distractions, you know, mm -hmm. never will patients be re reward rewarded so greatly if you just take a breath and sit and listen to the patient and listen, mm -hmm. what is the story, and and then take it from there instead of, you know, I've seen the studies where you, you walk into a room and the, the doc makes a diagnosis within like 25 seconds or something like that without any you know, just looking at the, the presenting uh, situation, the chief complaint, whatever, um, mm -hmm. you know, and then you, you've made up your mind, you can't do it like that. And that yeah, doesn't and work outside of medicine either. Yes, yes. No, no. A lot of, a lot, when you say listening to the story, it's so important because as I've even said in a lot of these interviews, sometimes it's just one phrase yeah. that the patient says, and then it changes the whole trajectory. That's and you're like, oh, wow, wait. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, I didn't realize if it was important or not. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it, it's definitely a, a great skill that we pick up if you use it um, to your benefit. Now, as you're there doing um, OBGYN and all these additional skill set that we says that you built up, you're teaching, you're helping, um, you know, the newer set, you're molding the students into being um, better, not just physicians, but leaders, because we said once you step out of school, you really have a lot of leadership qualities. When did writing start to creep in or has it always been there in the background? Um, I think it's always been there in the background, even though I opened with saying, you know, I was a loser in high school and didn't. <laughs> I didn't hear that part. <laughs> I loved English and, and I had an English teacher. I'll never forget her, uh, Miss Rosinski. Mm -hmm who made us read Shakespeare. And I was like, oh my God, but I just fell in love <laughs> like with Like I'm it. getting tongue-tied, Ms. Rosinski, in the thousandth and fifth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, so that was, I just started reading and that 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 lit the fuse for me, you know, mm -hmm. continuing to just love reading and, and getting immersed in, uh, in fiction and dramatic literature. And mm -hmm. I, I almost had a minor in English in college. Um, so I took a lot and I, I've always been a, a reader and I think most, if, if you're a reader, then you're a writer, basically. Yeah. I mean, if you read, you know, basically how to write stuff. And then I was just thinking, you know, I'll take some notes and start a journal. And, and this was, you know, years and years of, you know, having legal pads with random notes and thoughts on him. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I, I thought, uh, you know, I, this, I could turn this into a book. And I didn't know where to go. You know, sh should it be about medicine? Should it be fiction about medicine? Mm -hmm. You know, I really love thrillers. And then I started putting those pieces together. 
And, you know, there's a little romance in my book too. And who doesn't like that, you know? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, I just, you know, said, I, I'm going to get serious. And then with the pandemic, okay, you can't mm -hmm. go anywhere. Yes. So it's just me and my MacBook basically. And it was, I got to tell you, with all the stress of everything that we all go through as physicians, whether you're mm -hmm. in clinical medicine or in industry or teaching or whatever, you know, I, when you sit down and open your laptop and have that blank page, it's like, it's the cheapest, most effective psychotherapy you can yes. ever imagine. You can, you can be anyone, you can do anything, you can go anywhere you want to go and you know, for that time that you're sit, sitting there engaged with writing, mm -hmm. it, it, it was really therapeutic to me. Ah. Um, you know what I, I mean? It was yeah. sort of the opposite of like, you got to write a 25 page paper for a class or something or for, you know. No, you got, you got stuff. deep into your imagination yeah. and the, the, the created this, this world that allowed you to really pour out is this your first book by the way first first book yes and, and um, you got a bestseller i'm just saying it's not like we're saying that the starting you gotta start the bar high right <laughs> yeah i i just you know i'm, I'm so fortunate to, to have had that happen mm -hmm. but i i think um you know it, it's just it's a fun read and then yeah. when when i first you know when it first uh launched people were saying oh my god i read it in one sitting and i'm thinking I would feel like I didn't get my money's worth if I sat and read a book start to finish. So I think it's a quick read. Mm -hmm. it, it's engaging. You know, I, I think it's it's written in a down to earth fashion. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm glad it was successful and I, I'm getting good feedback. My publisher says, you know, the the characters are very likable and we should keep them going. So I'm planning a, a sequel. Um, so I'm, I'm jotting down notes and thoughts, random you know, pieces of information that hopefully will come together in the next year or so. I love it. Alrighty. So now we're in the pandemic. Did when you started writing and just really hunker down, because I mean, where yeah. else were we going to go? Yeah. <laughs> and you started to hunker down. Did you pull from these stacks of legal pads of notes? Or did this story just emerge as a new story? Great, great question. So mm -hmm. I think the salient things that resonated with me from that stack of, of notepads mm -hmm. were, was, were in my head. Right. And that's where, that's where it started. Uh, and I, I took, you know, like the conceit of it a long time ago was a physician stumbles into a terrorism plot and becomes sort of this reluctant hero. So mm -hmm. just building on that theme and taking modern occurrences mm -hmm. and, you know, um, you know, happenings in, in, the, in the news and, and happenings in real life. Mm -hmm. um, then it, 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 it sort of became a, a start to finish brand new thing. And when, when I sat down to say, OK, I'm going to do this now, it probably it was less than a year before I had a, a first draft, which was a terrible first draft. I mean, it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the 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 skeleton was there. Yeah, it <laughs> the, was, it, the yeah. meat and the bones needed a little help. <laughs> yeah, and they were a little ugly at times. <laughs> and it, it was and it's discouraging too because you know I was fortunate enough to meet someone that connected me with a an agent mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And the agent was was really very helpful. And it said, you know, Joe, people don't have time to read anymore. This is way too long, you know, and it, I think the first draft was like 100,000 words, maybe a little mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. And, and she was right. It was too long. But then you're like, oh, my God, what what am I going to cut? Cut. You know? All of this is important. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, then, and she was like, it's important to you. And you know what? You don't you don't burn it and, and delete it and erase it. Put it in a pile of like good stuff to use later yes. down the road. So, you don't you know, it's not like a permanent thing. But, man, that was hard. Mm-hmm. The, at the editing process, editing yeah. your your masterpiece, but you just don't understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but wait. Exactly. <laughs> like, but, no, but that's it. Right. Yeah. And 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 that in in a you know, truth told, it it was really exciting editing mm-hmm. because you can see how things change in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And um and the, to anyone that's contemplating writing. You know, don't give up on your principles. If there's things you feel really strongly about, just make the case. Mm-hmm. And but at the same time, realize you know you have to sell this to people. You know, right? Um, so I mean, that's true in everything in life, right? I mean, absolutely. You, you got to deliver value. So um, mm-hmm. it all, it all made sense. And and I would say, you know, whether it sells or whether it doesn't, I don't really care. I've learned how to write a book now, and I yes. think down the road, you know. That's- I, I can use those learnings and, and grow with that and mm-hmm. come up with better outcomes. This is just like medicine, right? Yes. It's just like, you know, I don't need to use Levaquin for a bladder infection. There's a, <laughs> there's a, lot, a lot of cheaper, just as effective medications for, yeah. Exactly. So, so that's, a, that's such an important point that you made, which is I have now evolved into a person who knows how to write a book. So this process was hard. I mean, as an OBGYN, I'm going to use a phrase that, or an analogy that you might understand. It was labor. (laughs) But at the end, you have a new skill set. Exactly. And you know, you just connected something in my mind. Labor that's where a lot of those notepads got entries. When you're sitting there waiting for someone, you know, you're on call the weekend mm-hmm. and something's like, you know, one centimeter with a ruptured uh, bag and you know, you're going to be there a day and a half. There's a mm-hmm. lot of free time on your hands. So, yes. um, you know, that, so, that's where a lot of those thoughts got written down. I love it. I love it. And, you know, this, the sense of this additional skill is um something that i have i have learned it too and and a lot of times we feel when we have um exited i will say for us it's medical school because that's where our professional yeah. training mm-hmm. um lie but there are a lot of other professional schools that you when you put a lot of time and energy to acquire the skill set to graduate and you're also working in that field there yeah. are other skill sets that you either started or that are available to you to help to offset what you're learning or to augment it. Yeah. But when you find yourself at a point that you are learning that we have to just remember it will be labor. It doesn't mean that this isn't something I should do. 
Correct. Oh, it's not going to work because I wrote my, they said that my first draft is horrible. That means that I'm not a writer. No. Yeah. No, that, that, that means, you know, it's your, your first, your first appendectomy probably wasn't that great. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Absolutely. Um, so it's, it, it's a learning process. It's a and, learning process. Yeah. And I think as physicians, we all have the ability and the skill set to be able to do this. And and I could easily see myself still practicing medicine and writing it as a, you know, an like advocate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it's the time element. It's just if you think if you think it would help, try it, do it and, you know, see what you come up with. Love it. Love it. Love it. All righty. So code crisis so you gave us a little bit of a i would call it two or three sprinkles on the ice cream of what code crisis is <laughs> i only have a red a green and a red sprinkle <laughs> so just give us a i mean the the i don't want to take away from the book because yeah. i saw that it says i've read all your reviews and they're like this is good this is good so i want others to come and get the book but just give us an idea of the plot to just well, thank you for saying that by the way but mm -hmm. um so the, the plot is it starts out the, the opening scene is um and i don't know if this is a good first line or not but it's what we went with it's like i'm probably going to misquote it but it one thing we learn in medicine is how to bury things so right there yes, <laughs> especially little, if it was traumatic <laughs> You know, and it's a little scary. Um, so it goes on that um, that's the opening statement of, of, of a, a doc who's on call in a, a medium sized teaching hospital and encounters a patient in the uh, emergency room that has what looks to be like a ruptured ectopic or close to a ruptured ectopic pregnancy. <laughs> and then carrying that forward, they do the surgery and in the recovery room, the patient utters some things that seem strange um, to the doctor and um, to the main character, Vince. And Vince thinks, you know, I've heard these words before and it, it's, it's a puzzle. So he, you know, ruminates on this and time passes. And eventually he finds out that um, what this patient was talking about may be related to something that would work as a weapon of terror if they could get it into the United States. Ah. So, um, you know, I'm not going to give you details. No, 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 because I'm already drawn in. <laughs> yeah, so then so he thinks, okay, this is a patient. I have a doctor-patient relationship. If I call the FBI right now, I'm probably going to ruin my career, you know, because mm -hmm. and be, way beyond HIPAA, you know, I'm violating yeah. that sacred oath of, of doctor-patient yes, confidentiality. And um, the patient also hinted to him that, that she may have been involved in an extramarital affair. So that's more complication on that sacred trust. Mm -hmm. So he just says, I'm going to do it because, you know, for love and country, I, I, I don't want to have anything awful happen. Um, and it turns out he had a fiance that, that did not survive 9-11. Mm. And that, you know, gave him a, even more conflict. What Patriotic do do so he calls the FBI and essentially they, they send him a, a extremely beautiful, slightly insane CIA officer 
to work this through. With. So, uh, I'm I, I might have down. to stop you there because I don't. I don't want to hear the rest. I want to read it. <laughs> I, I told you, you can sit and have tremendous fun when you're writing a book. I love it. I love it. I, I'm going to stop you there. I'm literally going to stop you there because the story is already pulling me in. <laughs> So that's one of my um, things that I do love. I love mysteries. Yeah. I love the, the mystery thriller. So I see, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. want you to, I want the others who are watching to go and get the book. Code Crisis. Code Crisis. Alrighty. Before we go too much deeper into that, because I am already intrigued. I want to um, ask the questions that I do ask a lot of um, my guests, and we're going to pull it back to you as, um, you know, the author, the physician, mm -hmm. you know, you're doing all this. Is Have you ever experienced burnout in um, your career? And if you did, what did it look like for you? Um, you know, I, I thought about this mm -hmm. in some other contexts um, yeah. because in my job now, we have a lot of physicians who are leaving clinical medicine and coming in. Mm -hmm. um, looking back, I probably did have burnout, burnout, but I, I don't know if, if if it's possible. Can you be burned out and then go back to your job and then be okay for a while and then have it resurface? Can it be sort of this undulating mm -hmm. wave of, yes. of burnout? And And so I think I had it, but I never had it in a way that would make me say, I hate my job. I would never say, I mm -hmm. never hated patients. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the things when I, I'm getting off your topic question there. No, no, that's good. But I, when, when I decided to move into industry, I realized that um, it was like coming in out of a storm. There were so many, at the time I, I when I did it, there were so many unhappy people in medicine and they were, you know, they were ticked off at, at managed care, ticked off at lawyers. And then I saw them like taking it out on patients mm. in, in a real passive aggressive way. And I'm like, you know, I do not like this. I don't like being around people like this. Mm -hmm. and, and that was, I think that was the push out the door that, right. you know, right. that was right. the main thing. But could I have survived there? Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be like those people. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think what I've learned over the years, it, it's real hard to change people with those attitudes. You know, right. it's like it's like you want to say to them, hey, you know, figure out who you're angry at because it ain't me and it probably ain't the patient either. Right. You know, so deal with that and, and get good with yourself and then enjoy life, enjoy your, your practice, your mm -hmm. profession. But, you know, we, we don't have time to do that a, a lot. And, and I dare say it may not be successful. I mean, they'll probably think that you're crazy or something. <laughs> Go away don't tell me what to do. Right. Um, you know, so. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I think I, I know what burnout feels like, mm -hmm. but I never I never let it last and and I, right. I maybe that means i never really had burnout because maybe you were just first degree yeah <laughs> you 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 got there and um you know the feelings when um you found yourself at your low you did something to pull yourself back out so what were some of those things that you did 
because those are those are skill sets that you continuously use. And they're also skill sets that others, when they hear about it, they can say, oh, yeah, I can use that during that time to apply it when I'm feeling that way. Yeah, well, writing. One of the things, writing was one, definitely one of them. That's mm-hmm. cathartic. You, you hit on that early. Mm-hmm. The other thing, which I don't recommend in the way I did it, you know, I, I went and ran around the gym like I was Michael Jordan, and that's how I <laughs> tore my rotator cuff. So... Okay. Okay. So you were slamming Duncan on everybody. Dr. Porpora is Duncan. Ah. Fitness is important. And I think that definitely helps, uh, but you could probably, you don't have to go nuts with it, you know, go overboard. And and I think now even like walking on the beach or like a a hike, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as long as there's not too many rattlesnakes around and all that in in, uh, California, (laughs) they're playing, you know, there's a place that people love to hike. It's called Rattlesnake Canyon. And I'm like, why would... Wait a minute. Anybody... It already has the name in the yeah. name. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, being physically active helps. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the, the the real thing that helps is just be introspective. You know, talk to yourself, talk to other people mm-hmm. um, and help them and help have them help you see the way through to what is the real issue? What, you know, what's the problem and how can you manage that? Um, You know, and and the most stressful thing you can be in is, and I don't think, I think doctors have the luxury of very rarely being in this situation is like where you've got all this responsibility and no ability to make decisions to control things. Now I I know that's changed Mm -hmm. with managed care. And that's what I hear with the people that are leaving clinical medicine and coming into industry, into biotech, Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, they're creating all the value. Yeah. 100% of the value, but they're being led to think these patients aren't really yours. They, they, you know, we, the health system own these patients. They're mm-hmm. ours. And we're mm-hmm. giving you the privilege of busting your ass and taking care of them mm-hmm. and assuming all the liability and, and, you know, and making literally life and death decisions. And you don't have any say in things that is not healthy. No, you know what I mean. Absolutely. I mean that, that's just not going to work. So you know, I I, I think if, if physicians can somehow control that nowadays, I, I don't know what the environment is like. So I'm not going to talk like I, I'm on the front lines of clinical medicine. I don't know, but I I, I see and I hear stories where I think that is changing, where physicians mm-hmm. are being and I know it's a buzzword and a cliche empowered, but I well, I think there are you're right. To, you know what they're, I mean? They're taking it into their own hands in different forms. Exactly. Which is important. And, and that you said, it's important for the health of the, the physicians themselves. Yeah. Because there's a lot of stress and liability with this profession. And um, the liability is not just the legal aspect, but you have the mm-hmm. mental aspect. The decisions yeah. that you make in are decisions that affect someone else's life. And yeah. these are humans just like you. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you, you know, when you, when you know you're doing, one of my best professors said, every time, ask yourself this question, what's best for the patient? And that will tell you what to do. And that even works in industry, too. Mm-hmm. And, and we can get put in corners, you know, in mm-hmm. industry where here's what we have to, here's, we've assessed this problem, here's what we got to do to fix it. And then it's like, uh, we can't afford that. So that's stress, you know, yes. we learn to manage that in, in industry by 
making a business case like you know mm-hmm. it's sort of um you know pay me now or pay me later here are the consequences of this it's probably yes. worth spending some money now you know, to, to number one protect patients and then number two protect the integrity and value of the brand of the organization Absolutely. um you know so again that's a phys- physician skill you know mm-hmm. you know convincing people of, 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 you know, the facts of the argument and putting it together in a scientific and, and you know, coherent way that, that it makes sense. So yes. somehow we left, we left burnout and I got into uh, a lot of different things there, but. Um, no, no, no. It, it's all a part of um, the different ways to combat it. Yeah. Your, your one way is um, that you've described is really pulling on some of these soft skills that at times we forget that we have and being able to use it in different um, avenues. So, you know, the skill of persuasion, because the, the skill of persuasion is something that we as physicians, like those who are feeling burned out, you felt you feel the hopeless, the helpless, the what's the point? Nobody's listening to me. I, you know, so you feel as if you no longer have that skill or you didn't or you probably didn't have it in the first place, but you but you do have it. And to, to, to build upon that and to recognize and to use it in other ways that brings value to you, that, you know, is important. So, yeah. Exactly. That's what I pulled from that part. All righty. Well, I have a fun question (laughs) and I have to pull. I have to. Yeah. You know, we talked about rattlesnake. Go easy on you. Yeah. (laughs) That's a great con, by the way. I don't know if you're an Adele fan, but. uh, You're Adele? Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, yes. I love Adele. She has a beautiful voice. That was actually my revealed song so when my husband oh. and i were revealing that we were pregnant the hello from the outside <laughs> that's what we did we had a the picture and we sent it to the family <laughs> so beautiful i love that oh uh, so yes we're adele fans here so now my fun question of the day is if you weren't a doctor a right a writer author slam dunking on everybody <laughs> What would you be, or in the industry, your industry? So I'm pulling all the things that I know that you're doing. So this is my imagination question. What would you be? I think another great question. Um, I think because my dad would take me out to Greater Pittsburgh Airport when I was growing up to watch airplanes, oh. I just fell in love with airplanes and air travel. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I was in, in college, I, I was taking flying lessons and uh and, and i was seriously heading down the the, the track of, of being uh you know an aviator and, and mm-hmm. you know in some form yes and um i loved it and and then then i got into med school and my dad said okay you got to make a choice <laughs> that is- <laughs> med school or i'll keep paying for you to get your instrument rating and all this stuff with i'm like you know i'll i'll go the med school thing because um, I don't know why it was probably because all that antecedent stuff, you know, growing up with a physician in the family and, yes. and liking to be around people. And plus mm-hmm. I had a couple, not a couple, but I had one close call, um, you know, flying when I was solo, I was doing what they call touch and goes. You just fly around the pattern and land mm-hmm. and take off. And it was this beautiful summer morning in August in, in outside of 
Pittsburgh at, at uh, Beaver County Airport. Mm -hmm. And I took off and did the right turn and I look over and I couldn't see the airport anymore. Because oh. some, some fog or Just some like came, in. came down the Beaver River and I'm like, so I'm in a panic. And, you know, I got on the radio and the guy was pointing me towards Pittsburgh, you know, International Airport. And I could hear the other planes on the frequency, you know. Well, we're in the clouds, but we're looking, like looking for me. Oh, wow. You know, finally, I said, you know, just vector me back to Beaver. And, and it ended up with a happy ending. I could see mm -hmm. it. But that was scary, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought, you know, I got to think about this. Do I really want to do it? Mm -hmm. um, you mm -hmm. know, and, and I, I said, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to go full throttle. I'm going to get an instrument rating, multi and the whole thing. And that's when I had to make that uh, financial decision with my father, you know, mm -hmm. you want to go one way or the other. So anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. But. No, 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 no. So we we have, because as I, I ask this question to all my guests. Mm -hmm. And so I've interviewed over 200 docs. Now I've interviewed a doc who is a pilot and she does oh. it. She's a, yeah, she's um, my lovely friend, Dr. Dana Gibbs here in the, she's in the Dallas area. So she is a air, nose and throat um, physician, but she also does that. Um, she flies with her husband. Um, so, right. But you are my first one who answered the question that way. Oh, that you would do it well, as I that. ran into it when I, when I was teaching for a while when I was in Pittsburgh temporarily taking care of a relative who was dying, unfortunately. But mm -hmm. I was at uh, McGee Women's Hospital and I met a doc there who had my dream job. He was an internal medicine specialist. He was also a captain for um, U.S. Air. Oh, wow. And he did the Pittsburgh to, uh, I think, Berlin. They had a, a, a flight, a direct flight. And he also, and then he did the FAA physicals for all of the, the pilots in the area. And I thought, God, what a great job. <laughs> Had I known. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I love it. Wow, that's the first time that I've heard of that. I love yeah. it. Oh, how wonderful. All righty. Well, so, you know, there are a lot of people who um, enjoy this wonderful conversation that we're having. But I know they're like, okay, well, I need to hear more and I need to find out more about this book that you're talking about that I had to stop you because it, it just sounds so interesting. <laughs> the characters, you're right. You you built, and this is just, this is from someone who loves thrillers, who loves mysteries, mm -hmm. who, um, you know, loves reading. And I'm just, just the buildup of the character and the story, just that first sequence alone. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I can see. So where can they find you? Where can they find the book? Um, tell them all about, um, um, I see you put Joe Purpura, put, tell them all about Joe's world. <laughs> Joe so Joe Purpura has a, the, the book's website is, is codecrisisbook.com mm -hmm. and it's on Amazon. It's, if you don't like to read, there's an audible version oh, of it. Oh, nice. And, and there's a, um, uh, a Kindle version if you don't like, you know, a paper book, mm -hmm. um, and it's available on Amazon and, uh, you know, it's, it's at bookstores also. And, and not to dwell on aviation, but I get calls from people. Hey, I saw your book in the LAX bookstore and it, it was in the Santa Barbara Airport bookstore. So How wonderful. It, it's out there. But, um, you know, Amazon or whatever your go to place is for, mm -hmm. for buying things these days, it, it's there. 
Um, I love yeah. it. So there are a couple of ways that you can get it. You can get it on Amazon and then codecrisisbook.com. And if you're traveling, you're at the LAX airport, you're, you have a layover and you're like, I want to capture, you know, I don't know. Does Goodreads sell book? I, I know they, they did reviews there, but I, and then I think they link to how to buy it. So it, oh, it, wonderful. Also on Goodreads. Yeah. So LAX and Santa Barbara airport. If you're, if you're, if you're walking through, other, you're gonna... they, they say it's in other airports, but those are the only two I have verified contact. Okay. It, you know, people so photos grab out. a snack and grab the book. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so any last minute words of advice? So for example, um, like, you know, my wonderful colleague and friend who she's a, she's a writer, she writes her blog. She's, you know, mm -hmm. she hasn't probably ventured out there. She said, thriller writer. I'm so intrigued. My lovely friend, Dr. Sharita Gaskins Tillett. Any advice for anyone like her who we're thinking of, you know, I, have a lot of great ideas. I um, I'm skilled in writing, mm -hmm. um, but I don't know if anyone would want to hear what I have written down. Which I'm probably sure <laughs> that goes so, through the minds, right? Yeah. <laughs> Any that, advice? That's called fear, mm -hmm. and everybody has it. Mm -hmm. And you're writing, and you're thinking, "Oh my God, this makes me sound like a pervert." Should I change <laughs> it? No. Keep going. In mm -hmm. fact, my my first editor was this you know, 30 year old woman. And there's some scenes in there that are, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, there's sex scenes in there. Right. And, and I said, is this too much? And she says, oh no, make it 10 times. You know, <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> you know, so I think you get beyond the fear. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then you're out on that tightrope where if you ask your friends to read something, you're thinking they're biased. They're going to say, yeah, they like it. And this is a waste of time. But I think doing that with a, a one or two trusted friends mm -hmm. help, mm -hmm. um, you know, because they'll say this is good, you know, or, you know, th this has potential, right. whatever. And then I would say, um, and I'm, I'm not sure if your friend is writing fiction or, or nonfiction, mm -hmm. but either way, at some point you should put together a draft. And if you're writing fiction or if you're writing nonfiction, they don't want the whole book. They just want a proposal. Like mm. I'm a doctor and I'm going to write about, you know, uh, breast cancer or, you know, women's health, you know, mm -hmm. women's primary care, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then just do an outline and, and then just shop it around and, um, you know, look for someone um, to, you know, to pick it up for you. For fiction, you need to write a book. Ah. And, and I would suggest there's ways that, like early on, uh, people put me in touch with websites where you could pay someone to um, read and edit your mm -hmm. book. And, and editing is, is a big field. There's like substantive editing and, mm -hmm. and structural editing. Like, do these scenes make sense? Are they backwards? You know, are there holes in the plot? Like you, right. you know, mentioned this. And then it disappeared into, then it, yeah, into the oblivion. <laughs> and then there's like, or, you know, are the periods in the right place? So you use it, you, you know, beyond spell check, that kind of, you know, technical mm -hmm. stuff. But you can find people online to um, to help you with that. Mm -hmm. And it, it's not, you know, prohibitively expensive. Um, and so if it's early on and you just test the water, yeah, 
that does two things. It gives you a better manuscript and it gives you confidence because, mm. you know, most of those people will say, oh, you know, this is a train wreck. You know, it's, it's a page one rewrite start over. You know, you've got some good things here. Keep these good things and throw it away and start over. They, they will be brutally honest. So when I get the throw away everything except buy Tamara Beckford MD, don't get upset. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's constructive criticism. Absolutely. And, and it's hard. It's hard to take sometimes, you know. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Especially um, for those of us who have trained into perfectionism, because that's what our so medical true. training. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, with, with back to doctors getting in industry. Mm -hmm. That's really hard. That's a, probably the toughest concept. Number number one, you're not captain of the ship. It's not all on your shoulders. You're in a team environment. Yes. We all work together. And, you know, perfect is the enemy of great. Mm -hmm. You can't work so long that, you know, trying to make something perfect. You get it to a point where it's the best it can be. Mm -hmm. gives you a lot of time and then you turn it loose and walk away from it. That's true mm -hmm. in writing. It's mm -hmm. medicine too, you know, um, and it and it's easier on your coronaries, I think, when you say, "Okay, I'm done." Absolutely, <laughs> those are wonderful, wise words for those of us who are in any. I would say for us in clinical medicine, and for anyone who's in a technical profession where you're trying to explore the creative part of you that you've probably suppressed <laughs> all yeah. these years, but realizing that, you know, there are others, number one, that's out there to help to support you, to build you up. And you don't have to have all the skills at the beginning. Exactly. This is a process where you're working and your team helps to make you a better person. And at exactly. the end, you can now say that I've acquired this new skill of being an author. Love yeah. it. Thank you so much, Dr. Perperer. I hope you enjoyed this conversation oh, as much it. as I did. Yeah, this is fun. I love these. This is really fun. You're a great host. You have great questions too, Dr. Beckford. You can call me Joe. Um, and last word, if anyone's thinking of writing, sit down in a chair and do it. You will love what you produce. Yes. And you'll be proud of it. Exactly. At the end. Love it, love it, love it. All righty, so I know some of you guys are out there like, oh my gosh, I came in at the end, but we're, you know, oh, I said, have no fear. This wonderful episode is available on our Your Caring Docs website. That's U-R-C-A-R-I-N-G-D-O-C-S dot com. Select podcast, you'll see Joe's face yeah. there. <laughs> Download the episode and with the listen here bo button there, you'll be able to capture this. Now, if you're a doctor and you're like, oh my gosh, I have, I am doing something really fantastic and I want to let the world know, I'm like, hey, let me know too. So send me an email at drbeckford at yourcarendocs.com to book on this wonderful show so that we can highlight you and to let the world know what you're doing. Do keep in mind we are booked out a few months in advance and you can understand why. Look, look at all these lovely guests that we have on the show. They're doing amazing things inside and outside of clinical medicine. So send me an email at drbeckford at yourcarendocs.com. Thank you so much, Dr. Purper and oh, Joe, our medical you. thriller yeah. Best-selling writer of Code Crisis. Go and you ahead can and email me on that codecrisisbook.com. If anyone has questions, I'm more than happy to answer them. There's an email link there. So, but but thank you, and thanks everyone for listening. Absolutely, we'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye.